Welcome. Thank you once again for hanging out with us. This is a special edition of the IT and the D show. Randy, we've made it all the way up to episode 420. Yeah, and we have special guests to commemorate that. And you know what we're doing? We're talking all about pot because why wouldn't we? Because we never have. And what better situation than to do it right now? We are joined by our producer, Bill McAllister. We are hanging out in the brand new Podcast Nation studios in Troy, Michigan. Find us online, itinthed.com. Do us a favor. Give us a like on the socials and subscribe to us everywhere. Find podcasts. Our soul, just a quick note, meetup.com slash itinthed. We are not doing a December event this year. We are booked up for Royal Oak uh, January, February, March. So the first quarter, we're going to be at the Yield Saloon on Main Street, uh, real close to 696. It's a great little dive bar. Uh, they have bacon for $2. You can't beat it. It's a great place. Bacon on a stick. Exactly. It's delicious. Exactly. It was bad. Bacon on a stick. So we are joined. We are really lucky and uh, to have two, two great guests in the studio. Tom Chalani's in the house. Tom. I would say, what do I say? You own most marijuana facilities in the state of Michigan. Oh, no, that's not true. <laughs> well, we were the first ones licensed. First ones licensed. Yes. Got it. And then uh, Rudy Petros. Rudy, you're involved on the kind of the tech side, the security side. Uh, so we're going to dive into not only the marijuana business, but I want to get into the technical side and the security side as well. Tom, I mean, million dollar question, I guess, you know, in more ways than one. Uh, how did you get into pot? Were you always... Uh, was this always part of your life and, and you decided, hey, it's open now or did you jump into it? I, I guess to walk, yeah. walk me through that. So it's actually just the opposite. You know, I grew up in the alcohol industry and the gaming industry. Okay. And I have three children between 27 and 30. And obviously when they were in high school and college, they were into the, the scene of smoking marijuana. Sure. And uh, they kept talking to me about it and said, you know, dad, you need to look at this because it reminds us of the stories you used to tell about Indian gaming where the federal government didn't have a clue what they were doing with it and banks wouldn't loan against it. And that's when I start to look at the industry because that's what's happening in marijuana was happening to Native Americans. Got it, got it. That's one of the big questions. The first things I thought of is because I remember when it started to become legal in, in the whole medical uh, card game and then, you know, uh, people were, you know, places started opening up, but then the federal government, it's still listed as a, a you know, a, it's a controlled substance. Controlled so, substance, yeah. illegal. And I always heard stories of like facilities getting busted by the feds, but now it's okay. You know, like I know the state of Michigan legalized it, but like I guess the legality thing still perplexes me on, on how this is becoming the norm around town. Right. Well, it goes back to my comment, the federal government doesn't know what they're doing with it. Right, right. Um, so things that you're talking about were really more of a West Coast thing. You'd hear a lot of federal bus in California. Sure. With dispensaries that uh, before they had their law on the books and before the feds made that decision, uh, you know, under some different administrations that we're not going to bust these guys. Let them stay open. There's a big movement in this country for legalization. And it started on the medical side. Uh, right now we have 38 states that have law, either medical or both rec. But, uh, you know, it's really a movement in this country that the feds are now taking it serious. It's a schedule one drug, right? same as cocaine and heroin. right? I mean, that's crazy that you would think about that, but nobody's wanted to deal with it. And one of our problems have been uh, Mitch McConnell that's been stubborn about moving some of the bills forward in, in Washington. We have a banking bill right now that's been sitting, was sitting with them. It's, it's now with uh, Senator Schumer. And I think there'll be movement next year on this bill. Will it give us the ability to have traditional banking instead of credit unions, and some people not being banked at all. Yeah, I want to, let's hop into that now, because that was another question I had, or another thing. 
I've heard stories like uh, I know Neil, that's part of Podcast Nation, is a he always goes he goes to the stores and you have to get they only have an ATM machine they won't accept credit cards and they was telling me about the whole banking thing. And of course, my brain goes to Breaking Bad and filling up oil barrels full of cash, and I know that's not how it goes. So you're saying credit unions will talk to you, but like a Bank of America will not, or what? What's that look like? Well, the big banks won't talk to you at okay. all. They don't even want to hear that you're even in the industry. Uh, we're banked with a credit union out of Colorado. We started our business in Colorado and exited uh, after a year. But the great thing about Colorado is they had credit unions that were doing it. Uh, so we still bank with a credit union. That's where most of the banking is today. Okay. There are a few uh, banks that are starting, small banks, charters that are starting to pop up now that are uh, taking deposits. And hopefully up the road, they'll start having loans to right. be able to give the cannabis industry. To this day, there isn't many banks that have given loans to the cannabis industry. So I've been a personal user of a credit union for all of my banking, all of my life. Is there a reason to use a bank over a credit union for this or is it? Well, the credit unions, uh, you know, we're the first ones to take that leap. You know, they have different rules. Credit unions work under different rules than the big chartered banks. Sure. And I don't think any of the big banks wanted to risk uh, the feds and this issue at all, where I think the credit unions were willing to take it because they've limited too to how many customers they're going to have. So they don't want to overweight their portfolio with just cannabis. Sure, but sure. in this case, uh, uh, Colorado was the first to break those rules. So can uh, you know the, can the feds just shut you down at any time, or is there uh, kind of a handshake agreement? I mean, are you looking over your shoulder all day? You know, I'm just curious because again, I don't know what I don't know. I would say six years ago when we first entered the Colorado market right. and the California market, you know, I was concerned about that our attorney general Sessions was against marijuana in the Trump organization. And when he left and a congressman Sessions from Texas lost, that took a lot of pressure off the industry and the feds. Uh, because when you got the top law enforcement officer in the country that's against marijuana and not willing to do anything or move anything forward, uh, you think about that over your shoulder for sure. Right. I, I mean, I could see how, you know, Rudy, I know that I'll just to bring in real quick, you know, people knowing this is a cash business and now you have to secure these facilities. Is this, are you setting these places up like Fort Knox in essence, or what's, what over and above are you doing to, to make sure these facilities are secured and locked down? Well, you don't, you don't really have to go too far over and above because the state mandates uh, some pretty hefty security requirements to begin with. Okay. So uh, there are clients that will go over and above what the uh, regulatory board requires. But they require a lot. So you're, there's every single inch of every facility is covered by a camera if cannabis moves through it. So you take out locker rooms, uh, a lunchroom, uh, anywhere where there's no product moving, then there's no camera there. Other than that, every single inch of the facilities are covered. And then we'll go above and beyond that with access control and facial recognition and uh, different things. But every client ask for something different depending on their budget, their size and everything else. Right. So if I come in and walk in and just buy, uh, do I have to like sign up to be a member or is it just, I can just walk in and walk out. So you're talking about walking into a dispensary. dispensary sure. Or, okay. Sure. So yeah, you'll sign in, they'll get a copy of your driver's license. Okay. Every time you go, they'll, they'll have a copy of your driver's license. Then it was like when I bought crypto, it's like, I didn't realize I had to basically give them my birth certificate and my parents address. And you know, it was the, I jumped through some hoops to, to just to buy a, you know, a small amount of you know, was Dogecoin or whatever, whatever stupid thing I bought. Um, 
But I just, I was just curious as in terms of like, then they, you know, in terms of tracking and do you have to like turn that information, do they have to turn the information over then? They don't have to turn it over. Okay. It's just, it's, that's in their database. That's what's required by the state. Okay. All right. So Tom, in terms of like the, the actual growing, like the process, walk me through, like, I'm just curious from like seed to product, like how long is that? What's the, what's the process for for, I guess, start yeah. to finish. So we call it seed to sale. Okay. Right? All right. And uh, my youngest son, Ben, is the head of our growing, our cultivation side of our business. Okay. That's where his passion is. He went to the University of Colorado. So I think he probably learned it out there. <laughs> right. um, but uh, he is passionate about growing. And, uh, you know, the whole thing about growing is genetics also. So you've got to start with great genetics. And we we're able to start with great genetics. In Michigan, there's a lot of genetic... Uh, people that grow just genetics and sell. Okay. But uh, so in, in your environment, you know, so you can have any building you want. It's the environment that you create inside that building. So it's all brand new AC, heat, uh, humidification, dehumidification, uh, your tables. Uh, it's very complicated. You know, you're tricking a plant to grow in a 12-week cycle. Right. Right. So you're taking a plant and, and having lights on for 12 hours a day and total darkness for 12 hours. And you're getting that plant to, you know, produce a flower in a 12-week cycle. And I'm assuming, just to throw the tech angle on it, there's a lot of automation involved with that, humidity sensors and scheduled lights and things like that. You're not having somebody go check their watch and turn off the light switch at... Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have a lot of redundancy in the building. You know, besides visuals, everything's on dupl- duplicated timers in case one fails. You, you can't afford to have that happen, including your watering systems. Uh, your nutrients. It's very high tech in today's world uh, to compare to how they used to grow, you know, everything by hand. So uh, yeah, today's very high tech. Okay. So how do they figure out what to grow and when? I'm just curious. So that's hard, right? You're, you're yeah. guessing the market. You know, you're, you're, besides 12 weeks of growing, you've got a couple weeks of drying, a couple weeks of testing and trimming. So, you know, you really you're on a 16, 17 week cycle. So try to understand what the market wants. Sure. What's the hot, hot genetic? So we always talk about if we're going to change in genetic in the building, it takes us at least six months to perfect that because okay. you got to grow a mother plant that's going to produce where you're going to get your cuts from. Okay. So it's very complicated. So yeah, that, I mean, I get craft beer very well and I always kind of equate the two things, you know, kind of like you, you said you talked in alcohol and I always look at breweries bringing out seasonal releases and, and, and things like, Hey, you're only going to get this beer once a year. There's an Austrian beer. I buy you once a year. It comes out. Um, but like Oktoberfest during October and you know, all the different, you know, the, the summer beers, right. Is there a seasonality to pot? Is it going to morph into that or what, is there anything like that that exists today? Or is it just kind of like growing what the market demands? Well, you know, we have a, a large grow facility in California. So okay. we, we kind of see the trends on the West coast first and bring those trends to Michigan. Okay. So that helps us tremendously see what's coming out. Um, I see more of the seasonal stuff being uh, gummies and chocolates and items like that. You know, I, I was a beer guy. I grew up as a Miller beer distributor. Sure, sure. You know, these seasonals that you have are really marketing, right? Absolutely. They come in for a short period of time. People load up on them, buy their growlers, put them in the refrigerator. Yeah. So they got them for a few months. Um, but they, those could be available anytime, but it's really marketing. Oh, it is. Yeah, you only put out so many barrels, and this store is going to have 14 cases, and you got a line around the block, and then they resell it for triple. I mean, the beer industry's gotten so far beyond what I ever thought it was going to be. 
just because like, oh, they got this guy paid thirty dollars to trade this. That's why I was just curious if 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 in this in the marijuana industry, if if there's those like that special limited, like is it just yeah. a, just marketing BS? Yeah. No, I, I think it's great marketing on yeah. their part. Um I would say that uh, I know Heineken has a product. They're looking at uh infusing hops. So no alcohol in the product, okay. but infusing hops in a drink. Uh, so uh, that's probably coming soon that like you'll see a CBD drink type of thing? Oh, no, it'll be THC product. Oh, wow, wow, yeah. okay. See, that changes the game. I think I had, I had my first gummy. Um, I won't tell too many people. No, I'm just kidding. I'm announcing to the world. Um, I had my first gummy, and it's funny because we were talking about, like, I go, I don't like pot when I was a kid. I smoked it, and I just wanted to curl up in a ball and pass out, and I got all paranoid, and there's like, it's not like that anymore. Like, do you have stuff that, you know, feels like a couple Red Bulls? You have stuff that can make you drowsy, put you to sleep. You have stuff that, you know, kind of in between. How did, did they just, I'm just curious as to like, did they, was this like a trial and error thing where they would like try different uh, genetics and then say, hey, this one does this, and then you grow more of that? Well, we, we inherited the, that, you know, from uh, Wana and Kiva. Those, those are two products that we sell in Michigan. Okay. Over half our sales, we manufacture uh, the, the biggest gummy line in the country called Wana okay. out of Boulder, Colorado. And then we have the largest chocolate is Kiva out of Oakland, California. So those two big companies I got on board right away so I could understand the edible market. We have our own line of Highlight Farms, but still at the beginning, we had to know how the big guys were doing it. Sure. And so we picked the two best companies and we represent them in Michigan. So how many different, um, with edible wise, I, I didn't know chocolates existed. So that's kind of fascinating to me. Um, gummies. I know I've heard of brownies, the cookies I've heard, like putting into baked goods. I mean, what's, what's the limit there? Is there a ceiling on that? Well, out of the edible market, the number one product is gummies. Sure. You know, your new person coming in is comfortable with taking a gummy bear. That's five milligram or 10 milligram. Sure. And the same with chocolates. Those are the two biggest items in the edible market. Uh, and we, we do a lot of chocolate. Well, I, I think the biggest problem with, marijuana was always the smell you can you know i drive down hilton and there's a dispensary and i can smell it in my car um, my neighbor smokes on his porch and when my kid comes home the whole living room smells like it and i'm like what were you doing at school and she's like no it's the neighbor on the porch i'm like okay fine you know but like that was always the biggest issue so i see edibles i, I think exploding just because of well edibles and vape pens yeah right you don't have a smell from a vape pen either um, so those are big items for people that, you know, function during the day that they don't want that smell around them. Right. And a lot of people never smoke real, uh, marijuana. Sure. I mean, they really go to the vape pens and the edibles and never touch the pot itself. Yeah. When I, my friend of mine had one of those vape pens and I'm like, that's pot, you know, that was kind of like when I first saw it, I'm like, I didn't know they could actually do that. So I was kind of uh, fascinated by it. Um, the one thing that I was always impressed about was the, the actual stores. I know it's not your, your side of the house, but um, maybe I can talk to Rudy about this. But, like, the stores, I always joke that it's like walking into a Rolex shop. Like, they, they outdone themselves. It's like, when you think, hey, it's, it's a you know, dispensary, it's a store, it, it's going to look like a, like a dirty liquor store. And you walk in these places, and it's like, you know, you're walking into Coach at Somerset. I mean, it's, like, pretty high end, at least the ones that I've seen or driven by. I mean, I think everybody wants to, to give their customer an experience. Sure. I mean, I've walked into some liquor stores that look like Coach and Somerset. Too. Sure, sure, sure. So, I mean, I, I think that uh, depending on the area, who their clientele is, uh, the brand of the dispensary, maybe if they have a following, 
they do, you know, they, they go all out in their shops um, because it's new. You know, that dirty liquor store you're talking to has been there for 50 years Absolutely. and they haven't remodeled since. So is that dispensary going to look like that in 50 years? Maybe, maybe not. Right. Um, but, you know, they're definitely nice, but you got to remember they're all new. Yeah, yeah. So anything new typically is nice. Right, right. So, I mean, but it's a it's a sophisticated purchase, though. You're not walking in just going, give me two of those and six of those and eight of those. No, I mean, I think that all the owners educate their their what they call bud tenders, yeah. and they know what each That's a great gummy name, does, right? what flower does, how it reacts to them, if they're a newbie, if they're a veteran of marijuana, and they're educated employees. Right, right. No, it's interesting. Like, I think every billboard advertising sales rep is like elated about this business because you drive down the highway i remember we drove to st louis for my kids soccer tournament i we were like like the witty sayings like it's it's all they're they're great i i think they're amazing like there's a lot of billboards i think it's a big percentage of billboard sales right now is in the cannabis space well well one of the reasons that is is the law you know, we're not allowed to be on TV and radio. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. So print is really the way to get the word out that you own a dispensary or you're advertising anything. So that's why I think you see so many billboards uh, because it's hard to have somebody pull off I-75 at exit 131 if they don't realize there's a dispensary there. Absolutely. So that's why you see so many. I know there's a, I think Neil had like, it was a weed map or something it was called on his, on his phone where they would show mm-hmm. where the dispensaries were. But he always used to complain that they don't have the strains he liked. Um, and I was just curious if like, hey, this place has got Oberon on, on a, in a bottle. Like it's not just, hey, there's the liquor store, but hey, this place has got Oberon. Has it gone there yet? Yeah, or- I think Weed Maps tells, uh, shows the inventory of the dispensary. If the dispensary wants to post it, it's up yeah. to them. Okay. But, you know, it's a big selling point, right? Why, why go to a destination if they're, they don't have what you're looking for? Right, right, right. So is that the big differentiator between the various dispensaries is just what products they offer or is it, is there some other reason to go to one dispensary over another? Well, you know, we, we do have a dispensary in, in Grand Rapids in our portfolio and we're adding a lot more next year. You know, people have di- different strains that they follow, that they look right. for. So nobody ever carries just one company strains. They're looking for a hundred different strains to make sure no customer ever leaves their place. Uh, that's why you're seeing these larger locations now because of the shelf that you need and the backspace to have all these great products that are being produced in Michigan. Right. I mean, you saw that if you've been to the total wine yet in Sterling Heights, it's like the size of, it's literally the, an old toys R us. It's literally a liquor store. It's like the way that business has gone. And that's what you, when you talk about dispensaries, I'm just curious, do you see them evolving at all or is it going to kind of stay the way it is? You know, I, I think it's all about customer service. Sure. I think people enjoy going into a location where they don't have to wait long, where there's somebody to wait on them and, and go through the different product, new products of, of marijuana, whether it's edibles or smokables. Right. Uh, when you go into Total Wine, which is a customer that we have our wine in there also. Right. But it's like going to Costco. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's confusing. They do have people to help you. Right. But I think people enjoy the customer service and going into their neighborhood dispensary and knowing everybody by name. Sure. Do you think it'll ever be Amsterdamish and go on premise? Oh where no, you, where I you I th- can partake on site. Oh know? yes, yeah, yeah. There's already soon. There's already so? some lounges they've announced in Ferndale and other areas that I think smoking lounges 
or, or you'll see them uh, in the future, a lot of them. Is it a legal thing or is it just a preference thing? No, they're, uh, they're issuing licenses for that. They're issuing licenses for consumption lounges. Okay. Yeah, it's so city it's, by city. Yeah, right. right. But it's not illegal. Uh, you know, you got to have the license, obviously. Right. Was the biggest, I'm just curious if you guys have some insight, is the biggest issue with this that you can't check when, like for when you're driving, right? It's easy to check for booze, right? Breathalyzer, you know, 0.08, it's a limit. Has, has there ever been discussions or how to check uh, the THC in your system and what's like, is it is it a zero tolerance thing? And how do they check? Is, or is that coming? It's coming. I mean, there's people working on it. It's, it's going to be, you know, you see most of the billboards now, it's not drunk driving, it's buzz driving. Sure. Right? Because they're including both of those products. Listen, nobody should be behind the wheel if they're drinking or, right. or having pot. Right? Uh, that's why we have Uber and that's why we have friends. Precisely. You shouldn't be driving. Yeah, but I'm just, yeah, cause I, I was always wondering if they'd never legalize it because that's the, that's the hang up, you know. Well, I'm, I'm going to guess just like a breathalyzer somebody's going to invent some technology that's going to work to, uh, to figure this out sooner or later. Right. I'm assuming it's zero tolerance though, or at least from the get, like you can't just be partially, but I, I, you know, like, again, I don't know what I don't know. So I'm kind of asking as a novice. I, I don't think that right now, if you get pulled over and you ate a gummy five hours ago, that the police officer is going to be able to, Tell. To tell, right, uh, or prove it. So, you know, marijuana stays in your system for a long time. Sure. So, you know, if they do a drug test, you could have smoked a joint thirty days ago, and it'll still be in your system. Sure. So, I think that there, till some more technology comes out, that that'll always be a struggle. That's why a lot of companies right now are looking at their hiring policies on drug testing, because it's not fair not to hire somebody that had marijuana the week before in their home, right. if anybody having a, like a regular drink right. and they're getting knocked out of the box. So a lot of people are looking at that and taking marijuana out of their drug policies. Yeah. But, we actually just did that as a company. We took THC out of our, out of our drug testing. Okay. Yeah. My wife's uh writes prescriptions. She's a pain management PA. Mm-hmm. And that was the big thing. That's, you know, she would say, Hey, you failed your drug test. I can't give you your pain meds. He's like, I smoked Two weeks ago, you know, that, that's the number and, one uh, issue with it is you can't, you don't know if they smoked right before they came in for their interview or if they smoked yeah. three weeks ago. Right, right, right. So to me, it's not fair when it's legal. They could have had a drink the night before the interview and I'd still be hiring them. Right, right. Now, is there, are there any brands that are getting grown or like that are kind of getting elevated? Like, you know, the brewery business, right? If you're familiar with that, in the 50s, there was thousands of breweries and they all kind of consolidated and all kind of became like a real big, beer guy over here. Like totally am. <laughs> he totally is. I can relate to it. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, I bought a bunch of old cans from the fifties and it's amazing how many breweries that existed that aren't, aren't around. And I kind of see that starting now in the marijuana business. Do you ever see it where there's like a superpower where there is a Budweiser, or there is a Miller and a Coors like that's like just dominates the, the, this industry. Oh yeah. I, I think it's, yeah, it's a Philip Morris like a brand name. Sure. A Philip Morris or a pharmaceutical company up the road that will look like it'll, you know, I don't think it'll be state, you know, everything's state by state right Mm. now, you know, eventually this will be like alcohol and you'll have major growing facilities in parts of the country that take care of the needs of the rest of the country. I don't see this 10 years from now being state by state. Like we have it today. You think it's going to get opened up? I think it has to. We just need someone that pushes pretty hard or I think we're five years from having CVS where's where you go for your medical marijuana. 
I think uh, dispensaries will be for recreation. And I think you'll be able to go to a pharmacy in five years and get it. It'll be a crazy world. It'll change the whole dynamic. It's all a, you know, all your grandmas are going to be able to buy some gummies. But but isn't that what this is all about? I mean, you know, you're going to ask the question of me, why am I in this? Uh, That's why I'm in it is to get this federally legal. So everything somebody smokes or eats has been tested. Right. I mean, when we go into a pharmacy or send our parents into a pharmacy, we just assume everything's been tested in that pharmacy and it should be safe for me sure, to buy. Sure. That's the same thing about marijuana. When you go into a dispensary, everything should have been tested by the state of Michigan and had and, and the results are available for people to look at. But you should be able to buy something and feel safe about it. You know, there's still two thirds of the products in Michigan, really the flower, is illegal in Michigan. A third of it coming from the West Coast, where it's come for many, many years. Right. And a third of it growing in the state of Michigan illegally. So uh, we, we need to clean up what we can clean up. I think it goes back to, you know, I hate to keep bringing up the alcohol comparison, but it goes back to Prohibition where they were making basement gin. And then they were, that's how mixed drinks all started because they're trying to cut the nasty taste. And some of it was like making people go blind. Um, are there any adverse effects to like uh, illegally grown stuff? Or? Listen, I'm glad you brought that up because when I talk to a politician sure. and, and, and try to make common sense to them, I said, listen, I grew up in the alcohol industry. We allow people to make beer in their house, wine in their house. We don't allow them to sell it to liquor stores and bars. Right. And gambling. We have the casinos in Detroit. We allow the churches to have bingo and people can have poker games and have fun in their homes. They don't allow to have a casino. Why do we have law on the book for the marijuana industry, yet we allow all the illegal activity to still happen? Mm -hmm. Makes no sense. The church thing always made me laugh. Like... Don't go gambling. But hey, bingo night is next Friday. It's like, what's the, what are you guys doing? When I ran the referendum to have the three casinos in Detroit, and I used to own Motor City, when I came out of my church parking lot, I had flyers on my window of my car about vote no on casinos in Detroit because it's going to hurt our bingo business. Ah, I'm serious. But then you're like, I remember I grew up at St. Malachi and you'd go to their uh, summer fair. They got like a poker room set up like the casino. And it's like, oh, yeah. Sure, pastor. I'm not going to gamble. Like, you know, what do you, what's going on? You know, and then right. they make, I mean, they, it was big stakes for, for a church poker thing, you know. Going back to the products, I'm, I'm still kind of fascinated about the different now. Would you say there's thousands of different strains or hundreds? Oh, no. I'd say nationally, there's a lot of, of boutique strains. Okay. There's probably thousands. Okay. You know, how many are in Michigan? Hundreds, maybe even over a thousand different strains that a lot of people are growing, that uh, how they got to Michigan, who knows? Right. But they're here now, and there's some great stuff being grown by small producers that are licensed in the state of Michigan. They're doing a great job. Would you find less of those boutique strains for medical use than recreational, or are they equally between the two? I would say really the industry is kind of going recreational right now. You're seeing a lot less medical. People don't want to take the time to go get the medical card. Uh, the city of Detroit is still 100% medical um, until they get that figured out. So that's okay. still the biggest medical market is Detroit, but it, it's going away fast. It's really flipping. Uh, you can see it monthly moving to recreation. That's why I was just curious. Like I always wrap my head around the tech side of it and like the analytics and like, has it gotten there yet where you know what's selling where, how much, like in what areas? Like, oh, yeah. No, we have all the data. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, we use LeafLink in Michigan. Okay. And uh, they're very good track of the data. 
and they're a national company. Sure. Uh, but we get to see, you know, by city, by location, what strains are moving at what price. Right. So it's really, you understand the commodity of it too. I know I talked to you earlier about the, the security, at least for the stores, Rudy, but like, even like, so like the grow facilities, you have this, you know, manned facility, large building. Same exact security requirements. Is it the same? Okay. So if it's a grow facility, like uh, for instance, Tom's facility, we secure, I don't know, he's probably north of three, 400 cameras okay. inside of there. Uh, you so like armed security? Yeah, we have armed guards there also. Okay. You compare that to, let's say, a size of a Walmart, they might have 100 cameras, yeah. if that, yeah. maybe 60. So when you compare the two, there's just a, there's so much more security in any cannabis, even a bank. Right. I mean, you walk into a big Bank of America, they might have 16 cameras. Sure, sure. And, 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 and have those, old security and, 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 Well, <laughs> and have those cameras are probably 25 years old, too. Absolutely. Right? So unless it's a new construction bank, they're using really old security technology. Right. What the state's required from the cannabis industry is unlike any other industry. So uh, pharmaceuticals don't have any requirements. Gun manufacturing facilities don't have any requirements. Right. Uh, cannabis is really the only show in town that is requiring such a stringent security plan. I look at data. I kind of, when I, when you say that, I kind of think of data centers and like to get certain classifications like SOC compliant things, compliance. Oh, it's much worse than that. Is it worse than that? Oh, really? yeah, for sure. So they, they, they might have more security on the back end, right? right. Uh, on the cyber side. Right. But physical or electronic security, no, no comparison. Okay. Cannabis is still much more. Wow. So like you need like a two-factor authentication to get in something you have, something you know, or like a handprint or an iris scan, like that type of well, thing. Uh, is it that not, far? Not, that's up to the individuals. The state doesn't mandate okay. that. Okay, all right. So, uh, you know, access control for sure. Are yeah. we making them do... Two way off? No, yeah, we're not. Okay. But some, you know, on let's say the vault or let's say specific rooms, sure. Right, right. <coughs> so, can you use traditional IT vendors and providers for this kind of stuff, or are they kind of hands off like banks are? They don't want to be involved with it because it's no. Federally- you can use whoever you want as long as they follow the state's requirements. Okay. Yeah. Are there any b- big? Vendors that say, no, we don't want to be involved with the marijuana industry. You or- know, in the beginning, your national companies like ADT and there might have been a couple other ones wouldn't do it, but they've all come around. They, they, they saw the writing on the wall and they were losing customers left and right. And then like data, cloud storage, that's all okay with that or yeah no okay. issues i mean you look Randy, I was like, I mean, that was all built on pornography to begin with so i don't think fair. i think i was just wondering <laughs> did you have to run like your own server farm on site because nobody would deal with you or? no that's okay. not a problem there's plenty of it companies out there but yeah. banking banking is still the problem right for everybody in the industry you know whether it's a security company like rudy's uh or you know miracle grow there's so there's so many big players in this miracle grow Warren Buffett's got a table company in Canada. You look at all the big names that are playing on the peripheral of this, and you know, and it's really going to pass when the pharmaceuticals and Philip Morris and the big guys say, okay, it's time to go in, and when Wall Street will let them in. So that's why the banking bill is important, because the banking bill will give us access to the banks, but it will then allow the public companies that are on the New York and NASDAQ to be able to come in and get involved. That's the only reason why they're not in the game in the United States now. All those companies, Philip Morris and others, they're in the game outside of the United States. All right, Tom, you bring up the big boys, and I would just, I've heard rumors for years and years and years that like Philip Morris was like banking thousands and thousands of acres for the day they make you know, pot legal. Was that like 
bluff back then? Or was that, is there some truth to that? Or they're going to convert like tobacco farms to, to marijuana farms? I mean, do you know, like, I, you know, because again, I've been hearing rumors about it for at least like 20 years now that so, they were doing this. That's interesting because I, I don't know of Philip Morris banking any land. Sure. But I can tell you this, that all the big tobacco farms in Kentucky, uh, Mitch McConnell ran a bill to change them over. That's his home state. Right. So they now grow a lot of hemp. So Kentucky okay. would be one of the largest hemp states. And, you know, hemp being used for CBD products, uh, you can make rope with it. Right. I mean, uh, so there's a lot of textile products that can be used also. They're even in the car industry, they're looking at, that is being maybe another future product for the bodies of cars. Wasn't that the original reason why hemp and everything was outlawed? I think there's always a story that it competed. I forget with what was. I think it was paper, paper yeah. or the industry or something. Yeah. It had well, nothing to do with marijuana. It had everything to do with hemp byproducts. Well, it had to do with the, the billionaires back in the day sure. that were worried about a scarcity of the product because the paper rope and those things that were being made. So they, it had made no sense to make it illegal back right. then, but that's why they did it. Well, yeah, then you, the, all the scare tactics, you wonder how much they've paid for, you know, the devil's lettuce and all. Like when we were kids, it was all, you know, it, you thought it was like, you know, like heroin. Like there's, legit, you know, yeah. you never, again, you've never heard of anybody ODing on marijuana. You've never heard of anybody, um, you know, having severe liver issues for marijuana. You know? remember the country put out that movie, Reefer Madness. Totally. I <laughs> mean, I mean, you go back and look at that today. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's no half baked, but you know. Oh, I got to talk to you about this now. Please tell me, Rudy. Maybe you've seen it, the uh, the South Park series where when Randy Marsh was growing pot. I have never seen. Oh that. my God, you've never. I mean, either. So my favorite. He's basically uh, Tegrity Farms. He called it because they got Tegrity right, and it was a big joke. And he ends up going to China and trying to sell it there because he was running out of market to sell it here. And it's a whole Disney thing. But my favorite episode, he tries the Impossible Burger at Burger King. And he takes a bite and he's like, this tastes like shit. Because people pay money for this? And like, yeah. So then he, uh, he goes, I don't know what, to, our sales are going down because we can't sell to China. So what are we going to do with the stems and seeds? So he makes a Tegrity burgers with the stems and like impossible burgers, but with the leftover stems and seeds. So, you know, I'm just kind of saying, if you don't know what to do with the stems and seeds, maybe we can make uh, burger patties. And- <laughs> well, but in the, in the free press last weekend, there was a company in Thailand, a pizza company, uh, a chain that had a marijuana pizza where they just put the leaf on top of the pizza. Okay. wasn't in the pizza. And they took a lot of heat for it, right? Because, you know, miners eat pizza. Sure. Make sure that, but there was no actual marijuana. And, and you can't get high off eating a, a leaf. Oh, that's just not where it's at. It's so in the it, flower. So what is, yeah. Well, uh, you, so if you just take the leaf and, you, like, why does it become, like, the T, when does the THC get released? I guess is that that's what I'm saying. Because if it's a leaf, there's nothing. Right. So you when have you, to dry it. Right. So it's a flower <clears throat> that, okay. that you smoke and that you dry to make oils. You can get oils out of the leaves and a little bit maybe out of the stems. Right. But at the end of the day, and you have to process that into distillate. But people take the flower to smoke. Okay. How many? Yeah, that's a, I guess the, something. That, how many different products can you? Because I'm thinking now. You know, you get the CBD oils. You have the stuff, you know, put on your knees. My buddy's like, you got bad knees. You got to put this oil on your knees. And I'm like, do you fail a drug test if you take? He's like, no, no, no. So, like, again, you're looking at a complete novice here that I don't know. But, like, how many different products can come out of that plant? Like, you know, you got edible. You got smoke. You got the oils. You know. You got liquids coming. Uh, It's endless what you can make from, you know, you look at any product in the world that people enjoy to eat. 
that's what you're going to see in the future with the distillate that we get from the plant. It's endless on where this could go for edibles. I mean, you can put that oil in anything. Yeah. yeah. Like Frank's uh, Red Hot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I always like to know what, like where everything's headed or where this industry is going. And I know you talked about it a little bit with when the big guys get on board and CVS and everything. Is that, do you think the peak is going to be like where it's equal to beer, where it's kind of ubiquitous in culture and society? Is, is, do you think it'll, when do you think that stigma will die? Well, I, th- I think when, uh, when you do see the pharmaceutical companies and, you, and you're, you can go to CVS or somewhere and buy medical marijuana, yeah. and I don't think that's too far down the road uh, in the future. Um, it's really about you know, a legitimate industry that is legalized because we're federally testing everything and people get comfortable with it. I think right. that's when we elevate ourselves to have it be mainstream. Well, that was what, uh, you know, I bought my wife one year, I bought a prohibition, a, a prescription pad of a doctor prescribing rum or whiskey or something from like 1920 something. It was, I thought it was pretty cool. And then I always knew that the only reason I knew it was the movie Half-Baked that doctors prescribed medical marijuana for uh, glaucoma patients. Um, and that was always, I guess, accepted. Reminds me of the old timey doctor meme. You got ghosts in your blood. You better do cocaine about it. Precisely. (laughs) Yeah, they prescribed cocaine too back in the day. But like, I guess from a, you know, you might not know this, but I'm just curious how many doctors actually prescribe pot for glaucoma. You know, I don't hear about it much, but you know, you always thought it existed. You know, I don't I don't think there's a prescription going to be written by a doctor for it, but he would tell his patient that what he's read and what he's studied, you know, you should go buy some medical marijuana and try it. It, it does work. There's a lot of doctors now telling your patients, you know, don't be scared of this. This stuff is true yeah. in the medical journals. You know, I go to Mayo Clinic every year and I talk to the docs over there and it, it's taboo. But my d- doctor over there loves to take a gummy uh, after work. Right. And he says, we never talk about it. But, it, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the, you know, it's, they have a problem at Mayo Clinic yet to this day by talking about offering this to their patients. So I always thought there was that someone mentioned something. It was like a tin, with like 30. They look like lucky strikes and it was like hospital issued or something. Billy, you, you're nodding. You, you know what I'm talking about. You never heard of this, um, but that's how they like, they had their own and it was like skank weed, like makes you just cough horrendously. Um, but that's what they used to give you. Yeah, Bill knows. He probably got those prescribed. He faked his glaucoma. That's why he has glasses. <laughs> yeah. um, I know we, you know, we have a lot of cancer patients that will ask us this question about, you know, will this help me? And, and I say, you know what? It'll help you with your appetite. It, it, it'll make you feel better. Right. Um, it's not going to cure cancer. That's not what it's about. But we've had a lot of people have success feeling better uh, and eating better. Um, smoking or eating some edibles that are cancer patients. So it helps mitigate symptoms and not. Yes. So what is it? What's the economic impact in the state of Michigan so far? Do you know that offhand? Well, I know I have 270 employees. (laughs) uh, Right. And in a little town in Chesney, Michigan, we're the number one employer. I mean, it's a farming community. Right. Uh, They love us there. Um, So I can tell you that it's a huge benefit. We're going to be producing all those things and getting them to the state legislature in the next few days of how many are employed uh, in dispensaries and in the grow facilities and right. manufacturing and in the fields. You know, this year was the biggest year for outdoor marijuana in the state of Michigan that will be turned into oils, into distillate to make products. So this industry is just really getting starting, started in Michigan. I know it had a huge impact in Colorado. I heard like it was in, getting up to like the 10 billions in terms of 
uh, tax revenue generated, um, the state has to be elated. I mean, let's be honest. It started from, it was from zero because this was a underground market for how many hundred years. Right. And what we're trying to show the state is, listen, this is where we're at today, being a third of it being uh, taxed and, and that. We need to work on the other products that are not being taxed and tested because testing is the huge part that we're working on right now. Make sure everything is safe in the state. What? Yeah. I'm just, is there guidelines? Cause I know like, like it wouldn't get FDA approval. Like what would be like the guidelines that you would seek after? Like the, is it safe thing that you're going after? Yeah. What? Well, we wouldn't, we wouldn't want the FDA to be involved, right? It just slows the whole process down. We've talked about this in many products in this country, right? Uh, the FDA takes a long time to go through. So, you know, that's why it's great. It's state by state right now uh, okay. because we work with the state of Michigan and every state has that. They, they want these products to be safe, but they also wanted to get them to market and not tie them up for a long period of time. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of shocked that, you know, usually the news all the time, they, it's always doom and gloom and you, I haven't, Randy, maybe you've heard Bill, that there hasn't been any negative stories from this since this business kind of took off and blew up. There was a recall recently, but other than that, I mean, that oh. you get that in any industry, right? Right, but we, I mean, like in terms of like crime, like I don't, I don't hear any. No. Like it, it's good because uh, I would assume if someone's after, they're going to pay the press or someone to write hit pieces or bad things about it. And like I've, you know, so far so good. Knock on wood, right? You know, the recall is interesting because. Obviously, the lab that got recalled is working with the state uh, because they believe the state is wrong on it. But it's, that's what the system is supposed to be if you're a tested product. And anything we eat or drink, we want the state to be engaged in it because if there is a mistake made or a question, we want to be able to get it answered. So that's, that's the system working. What was the recall, Randy? I don't know the details. I don't know. Okay. I, don't yeah, know if I believe it was about some, uh, well, Rudy, maybe I read it, but molds or some metals that might've been uh, in some flower products. Okay. Yeah. Cause we, some of our product was also a part of that. Cause that lab we were using it last August, Right, right. we were using for our testing. So we have some products uh, stopped right now or recalled that we'll uh, take care of, but we're very small in the min- minor in that because we stopped in August using that lab. I'm just curious, Rudy, what, did I miss anything? Is there anything over and above that like I would maybe look at sideways or is it all kind of straightforward, legit? I think it's all straightforward, legit. I mean, I think that everybody in the industry wants to make sure that their employees and their customers are safe. Absolutely. And I think they're all doing a great job with that. I think the state's rules are are, are pretty much where they need to be. They might be a little overkill. Right. Uh, but as a security company owner, I don't complain too much about it. Right. But, um, new industry, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely a new industry. For the most part, like you said, you're not really hearing anything bad. Right. Uh, the crime uh, around the industry, I don't think is too bad. Uh, no different than anything else. So all in all, I think it's it's going very well. No, it's it's been, uh, you know, fun to watch. Like I said, being someone that was never really a user and just started taking gummies like it's, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of neat. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You know, you, I look at this industry is like a, a bank or um, when that bank closes, everything is secured down, locked in vaults and safe. Absolutely. This is really the same thing in the, in the industry with the dispensaries. Okay. That when these things are closed, they're locked down, everything's put in safes. There is no reason for anybody to try to break in these things. Leading to my point about the, you said cash business. Sure. You know, even a lot of politicians don't know this. 
but all the cash that we received from the dispensaries right. drops in the Federal Reserve and gets wired to our credit union in Denver. I have politicians roll their eyes. I didn't know that you could use. <laughs> I said, yeah, we can use part of the banking system. We need to get the other part done, Senator, yeah, yeah. Congressman. I mean, look at this industry, how many people are working in it and the tax dollars that could be generated to the federal government if they just focused on it. Seriously. I, uh, yeah. I remember writing a paper in when, like my freshman year in college about how pot and prostitution should be legalized. And I, it was like oh, 50 pages or something. And I almost got failed out because they're like, how could you? The teacher was completely like, I'm like, if you look at it, you know what I mean? Like George Carlin said it best. You know what I mean? If two things are legal, why shouldn't it be legal? Um, same thing with this. It's a plant for crying out loud. It's not, this isn't like uh, some overprocessed, right? Um, Tom, I, uh, we're going we're gonna to start to wrap things up. Um, I know you're in, heavily involved in a lot of businesses. Any, any of your favorite charities you deal with around town, we might want give to a, give a plug for. Oh, sure. So, you know, I have a platform called uh, Cars and Cigars. Sure. Big uh, event I do with cigars and the Fuente family at Freedom Hill, which okay. we own in June. But uh, Rudy and our board, in fact, we have our Christmas dinner for our board tonight at the DAC. Nice. And we're talking about what we just did last week. So our, our foundation put out a double match, 100,000 to gleaners and 100,000 to capuchins. Love and it. we got that doubled within four hours. I think we raised uh, 220,000 against that. Love so it. those are the things that we do. Those are two of my close to my heart, capuchins and gleaners. Okay. No, mine too. Those are the only two yeah. I give to every year. Um, that's great. Um, so, hey, we're going to wrap things up for this episode 420 of the IT and the D show. Can't thank you guys enough. Tom Chalani, uh, Rudy Petros. You can uh, find them online or anywhere fine pot is sold. On behalf of Bob and Randy and Bill, do us all a favor. Drink up your drinks. Get your phone numbers. You don't got to go home. You just got to get out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it.